This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Fly fishing from a drift boat can be a terrific experience. It's easy on your feet and you can cover a lot of water. But the first time you do it, well, it can be frustrating and even a bit intimidating. I remember my first time fly fishing in a drift boat. I was worried that I would snag my friend who was rowing, and I have to say that my fear was (laughs) (laughs) well-founded. But I didn't discriminate that day. I snagged myself and a tree branch on the side of the river. I mean, I I remember feeling like this boat was moving at about 35 miles an hour, even though we were simply drifting the speed of the current. Uh, Dave, do you remember your first time? What was it like? I do. I think it was when Bob Granger took us down the Yellowstone. I think that was the very, very first time. Back in the mid-90s. It was. It was a gray day. We thought we were going to catch a lot of fish. It was perfect to catch fish. It ended up being, I think we only caught a bunch of white fish. I remember... We were, we were drifting down the Yellowstone, and, and what is that highway that runs along the Yellowstone there? Yeah, Highway there? 89, I think. Highway yeah. 89, mm-hmm. and there was somebody that was like filming us as we were oh, drifting yeah. down the river. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's right. Man. Oh, man, but anyway, I remember it because we didn't catch any fish. I had a great time. Yeah. I just remember it, it's just tricky. Yeah. And you know, yep. not being the, the most wonderful caster anyway, you know, it's just a different, you have to just figure <laughs> yeah. it out, right? So It really um, is. It, it, fly fishing in a drift boat is just different. Oh, man, I know it. The other one that I remember was, and I remember most was, was Brendan when he took us down the upper Madison. And do you remember that snow squall oh, came up? Man, no I didn't know if we were going to yeah. make it. Wow. I mean, it was spring. It went from like 50 degrees to 25 degrees with hard driving oh, snow. We had to beach the drift boat and take cover. Yeah, and then it, it was turned into sleet too, didn't it? It was. It stung. Yeah. It was. And I thought, oh my, if this goes on for a long time, we, we're not getting out of here. Now, you know what we're doing, Dave? We're, we're uh, encouraging people <laughs> never. We're scaring. We're frightening fly fishers who are thinking about trying a drift boat it really is a great experience but you you do occasionally get some adventures like that so what we want to do today is just to share some insights that are going to help you if you're going to float a river and the first one i would say is do not consider renting and rowing yeah man that's Uh, yeah true 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 truth right there no kidding rowing is not something you can learn on the fly and there's no pun intended in that at all Uh, you simply can't learn it and just pick it up and think well i'll do okay Uh, i've i've tried it a couple times Uh, friends have given me the oars and and there's definitely a big learning curve Uh, besides here's the other downside the rower doesn't get to fish so so uh, why would you ever want to do that yeah that's right and it's not (laughs) like if you go to montana or wyoming that you're going to see signs drift boats for rent but if you're thinking about well hey i've got a buddy who would let me use his drift boat and you've never done it before think again yeah yeah you don't want to do it because safety but you're not going to enjoy it and uh, well the only way you could do it is if you you drift to a certain place on the river that you want to wade fish Yes, and you stop right. to wade fish. You could but do you that. could not mm-hmm. fly fish and no, drift the boat. No, no. 
So that's the first thing, but let's transition to a more positive point. I, I, I honestly, we, we do have some good things to say about this. The second is, and this is so basic, but really drift boats are set up well for your comfort and ease. Yes, they are. They are. Not? I uh, mean, absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean the yep. reason people can go fly fish in Montana or wherever, or Michigan or wherever they're at, is is that these guides set these boats up really to, to fish to fish easily off yep. of them. So as long as you're in the boat, you don't have to hike or, or wade or walk on boulders. So that's one of the big benefits. Man, of, and after we've done that for a couple of days, it's really nice to get into a drift oh, it boat, is. isn't it? And how uh, many, what do we do, about one drift a year, two yeah, drifts a year, yeah, something one or like two, that? Yeah, right, it's not a lot. Yeah, but, if we fish 20 days, maybe one or two of those yep, days is mm -hmm. on a drift boat. But, you know, typically there's a cushioned swivel seat with a, with a standing platform into which you can fit your knees at both the the front and the rear of the boat. Um, and standing with your knees in the platform obviously is best, uh, although you can sit if you like. It's just a little harder for me. Uh, at least that's how some rafts work. They, you know, some other ones have benches, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. Remember when we fished with our friend Chaz? I'm trying to think, did his raft just have benches? Or I think we... it was, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it yeah, might yeah. have been. You know, a couple years ago, I fished with my youngest son in an Osable River boat. We were actually on a, a branch of the Osable River in Michigan. And these beauties look and feel much like, uh, well, they, they feel a lot different than the drift boats that, that I'm used to, you know, fishing in Montana and the Western Rivers. But uh, these things run about 23, 24 feet long and, and only two and a half feet wide. I mean, they, they really resemble the shape of a dugout canoe. And these boats have been used on the Osable and the Manistee Rivers in northern Michigan since, oh, I'd say the early 1870s. And lumber companies used to use these flat-bottom crafts to move tools and supplies to the logging camps. And that the loggers would use them to maneuver between the logs that, that they floated down the rivers. And then somebody in the early uh, 1880s got the idea to modify the design a bit to use this craft for uh, fishing, but uh, probably the typical drift boat that most people have are going to be like the ones you mentioned, and they really are comfortable. They're they're easy if uh, you've got a good rower and you're just doing the fly fishing. Back to the Osable River boat, are they easy to tip over because they're so narrow? It would seem that way. You know, you would think, but those rivers don't have strong, you know, currents for the most part. It's not like the ones we fish in the West, so they're. They are pretty gentle, and you know we didn't have any problem. In fact, the guide said, "Oh, you guys seem pretty comfortable with these." And uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't have any problem. But yeah, they, they certainly wouldn't work on some of the the western rivers or, or others that have more uh, uh, you know swift current and and you know even some rapids. So what else, Dave? What's something else? Another insight that might be helpful to somebody who's new and thinking about uh, going on a, a you know, float and, and thinking, well, well, I really do well in a drift boat. Another point, and this is a real positive point, is you usually don't have to make long casts. Right. Right. So a uh, good guide or, or rower will get you close to the run that you want to fish. Well, that's what I've noticed, Dave. I, I have a couple friends who they, you know, they, they can handle their boat well, but they admit, you know, I'm still learning in it. And I've noticed they don't get you quite as tight, get you in as close, but yeah, you're right. A good guy to row, or man, they'll get you right there. Well, that reminds me of a trip we took with Toby, who runs a fly shop out in Montana. He's just a terrific guy, has a terrific business out there. But going down the, I think it was a lower Madison, yeah, and he, mm -hmm. he would talk about these buckets, which are these like pools, 
and he'd get you near the what he calls buckets. I mean, I think he knew this river so well. Even in the middle of a river, he yeah. would know where, quote unquote, this bucket was, and he'd tell you exactly where to cast it, where exactly the fly should drift. He knew everything but the trout's name, right? Exactly, yeah. and yeah, yeah. I think he had those by name. Oh yeah, yeah. I caught that yeah. one before. <laughs> and it is amazing. This, this guy was really amazing. Yep. Great, great operator, runs a great business. Sure. Fins and feathers out in Montana. But, um, but these idea buckets, but good rowers, good uh, guides are gonna get you right in front of where you need to fish. So you don't need to make you know, 50 yeah, to 70 foot right. casts, it's right? Short you cast. really can't off of that drift boat anyway. And those runs are usually up against the bank, aren't they? Well, that's the other yeah. thing. So we always talk about people saying, I heard this quote the other day that 90% of the fish are within three feet of the bank. Yeah. Some guide said this. I don't know if he was talking about lakes or rivers, but whatever, the principle is true. And so when you, you really see this, when you go on a drift boat, is that they're, they're getting you along the banks because mm -hmm. that's where the fish are. You bet. You know something else that you need to know, and that this may be again kind of back on the, uh, the in the ledger of uh, things that might intimidate you, but you'll get over it. But that is, you you'll have to get used to casting in tighter quarters, and you have to stay in your zone. So, if there are two of you fly fishing, and most drift boats are set up so that you've got the rower in the middle, then you have someone who's standing in the front, someone who's standing in the back, or or sitting on their their swivel chair. But the person in the front has a slight advantage. And that's why, Dave, you always scramble for the front, right? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> no, you don't. You're actually gracious. It's probably me who's doing that. But here's, here's the deal. First, uh, the guy in front or the, the gal in front gets the first shot and gets to go through the run first. Uh, second, the guide's watching you. The guide sees you because they're facing forward or the rower, and they're maneuvering the front of the boat to get you into position. So, and here's the third point there is that when you're sitting in the back or standing in the back, you just don't have the field of vision that the person at the front does. Right. And, no, you don't. Because those drift boats, kind of the, the front end sits a little bit high, yeah. don't they? And so if you're back into the stern, it's, you, you're right. You don't see, can't anticipate You just don't have much. the field of vision, no. yeah. So, but it, it's still good. I mean, I'm sure we've still had... It'd be interesting to go back and think through it, but I, I don't know that, you know, that either one of us have just done really poorly from the no. back. It's probably, probably we both outfished each other from the back at yeah, different for times. Sure. You know, it's so that that's that's not a bad thing. But just be aware that if you if you have a couple of, of there's a couple of you, you usually trade off during the day so that you get you get to share that prime spot. Now the other thing about the zone is your zone is in the area in front of you, if you are uh, uh, fishing from the front of the boat or behind you if you're in the back to the oars. Now, the, the person, if the person at the back gets their fly too far forward, you're, you're casting forward, um, or, or you let you, or usually you, you know, if you're, you're drifting down river, um, yeah, you're, you're gonna cast a little bit behind you, but if that drift somehow, the, the current there is faster than where you're you're actually floating. Uh, if you get up in the oars, uh, that area, you're going to get tangled up with either the oars or with the fly fisher in front of you. And if you're standing in the front, you have to be careful not to start your cast back, you know, back too far. You're going to do the same thing. 
Uh, I mean, Dave, you and I have been tangled uh, up a few times. Yes, we uh, have. And I don't know whose fault it is, and we won't even speculate, no, but we you have. You can't do a lot of false casting. I mean, no, you no, drift, you, you need can't. to pull it off and then lay it back down again. That's, That's a best. great point. You know, if ever you minimize false casting, it's there. And casting just is trickier because of the tighter quarters. I mean, you do have uh, two other people in that boat, and you, you've got to... Uh, got to really be careful not to, uh, you know, hook the, the rower. So if you are, um, you know, in, in the front and you're, you're casting to the, the right bank, uh, you may have to, I mean, you've got to be uh, using a straight overhand cast or uh, you may have to, if, if your casting hand is on the side of the rower, you may have to reach across your body and make a cast or, or, or do a backwards cast or something, but uh, it is, it's trickier, but uh, the good news is you catch on to it. I don't think we think about it anymore. No, it's no. just kind of, we're, we're used to it. And now we're going to take just a moment and talk about our sponsor, Dr. Squatch Soap Company. Dave, as you know, I'm not a coffee drinker. I must have a mutant gene. You so are a mutant. I know. Uh, there's something strange about me. I mean, I've got a couple grandkids, little kids, who like coffee, and I, I don't. I never grew up. I, I, I have a mutant gene. But my uh, pick-me-up in the morning is not a cup of coffee. It's a nice hot shower. And I really enjoy uh, showering now that I've, even more that I'm using uh, Dr. Squatch soap. And uh, we've talked a little bit about the soap before. It's fantastic. Yep. But I love the shampoo. The shampoo and conditioner, man, it is, feels great. It smells so uh, clean and fresh. And I have to confess that uh, I'm about to run out and they, they've sent us free samples of soap. But I'm going to pay uh, my own money to get uh, another bottle of shampoo and then another bottle of conditioner. It's just worth it. I'm sorry that I have now this image of you taking a shower. <laughs> uh, I really didn't want that. But uh, <sighs> we will say this, that we do love Dr. Squatch. And hey, if you jump on the website, you can get 20% off by using the two guys promo, two guys, and just put that little uh, promo code in the, in the box in the field and, and fill up your cart with product. And I think you'll be really, really happy with Dr. Squatch. You have to try it. Once you try it, you'll go, okay, this is the real deal, all natural, no harsh chemicals, and I think you'll really enjoy the soap. So go to DrSquatch.com, put in the promo code, and enjoy your shower. And now, back to our podcast. Another is to keep your fly in the water. You know, you can get a good long drift yeah. in many cases since your fly will travel about the same speed you know, as the drift boat. Remember, you only get one shot at a good run. Yeah. Unless you've got a great rower who's willing to go back up and let you try it again, and generally they're not willing to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> not if, if there's smart, a big current. Yeah, unless so, they're really strong. I would say. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that that's a great point because I, I've had some times where, uh, just almost instinctively, I, I get a good drift and then I'm ready to bring it in, and I think, wait a minute, I don't have to do that. I'm I'm not standing, you know, alongside a bank. I'm. You know, I'm drifting along at the speed of my fly, so just let it keep going. Yeah. I also think, and this is a corollary to this, just talking about keeping your fly in the water and also um, just managing your cast, how tricky it is. I do think mending 
is unique on a drift boat. I have found that it's more mm. tricky for me to mend. I don't know. Because yeah, you can mend into moving. the oars. And you, well, one, you can mend your... into the oars, but just making sure yeah, you're getting you're right. a real dead drift because you're yeah. you're moving, right? So it's different from standing in the mm-hmm. river yep. and you know stack mending and adjusting your mends and, and really... To me, it's just a little bit different. It is a different feel. It's a different feel. Yeah, that's something sure. you have to get used to. But again, like you said earlier, you're making shorter casts. So... Uh, that's why trust us when we say it's not that hard to get used to because your your cast are shorter and a good guide or a good roller is going to get you into a good spot but you're, you're right it feels different you know something else i would say too is don't panic if you get snagged i remember the first time or two i got snagged i'm thinking <gasps> you know what do i do and frankly you're going to get snagged if you're trying to throw your fly tight up against the bank and that's what you want to do yeah for sure so sometimes you're going to overshoot and you're going to get snagged in the brush and and you might think oh no what do i do well one your rower might be able to to either back up a little bit or or at least uh, kind of slow down but if you realize you know what there's no way uh it's better to lose a fly than to snap your rod. So simply point your rod at the snag and... and yeah, you know, there's no turning there's back. There's no turning back, you're yeah, right. Point your rod you're, at the snag. Yeah. You're right, but but don't panic. You know, sometimes uh, you may have a little bit more time than you think and, and may be able to back up. So it's all good. It's all good. Uh, what else, Dave? So is this our final point? I think, I think our it is. Our final point is don't let the fish go under the boat. Now, Dave, you're an expert on this, right? <laughs> oh my, this story, we've told this so many times, but it still and it brings, gets better with it age. It gets better yes. with age, but we were out with Toby again, and he handed me a brand new Orvis back in the day when I was an H2 and not the H3, and I yeah. said, hey, can I try that rod? Yeah, I said, why don't you try it? And I hooked onto this big rainbow. It was a big fish. It was a big fish, yeah. and I, I couldn't get that thing in, and we actually beached the boat and so there was just this little few feet of, of beach, like like sandy beach in the middle of the yeah. river, which he beached it, and, and it got in the in the fish got under the boat and snapped the rod in half. Yeah. So we lost the fish and we lost the rod. <laughs> but thankfully, you didn't lose your life. Toby was gracious yep. and. And really, I thought he was going to kill me. Yeah. So I didn't oh, use, lose my life. <laughs> oh. In defense of you, there wasn't much you can do. No, the, the fish I, I don't just think took so. off. But when you're playing a fish, uh, yeah, it's not a lot different than when you're on the bank or the river. Uh, but you do have to make sure. Don't let it get under the boat. And I think with what long-handled nets, uh, you know, that most boats will you have You don't need those. to get it too close. Yeah, to you don't the have boat. to get yeah. that close. Yeah, That's yeah. a good point. So I guess the bottom line after hearing all of this is, is what, Dave? Well, relax. You'll get the hang of it. Yeah. It's like getting on a bike. Maybe it's easier than riding a bike. And, mm-hmm. and if you've never done it before, I just think be ready to learn a few things. Shorten your casts. Don't snag your buddy and don't let the you know, fish go under the boat. And I yeah. think you'll be in good shape. Yeah, right? that's right. I mean, that's guides right. are used to fly fishers mm-hmm. who have never fished from a drift boat. So they're, mm-hmm. most guides are just, yep. we found guides are just the best. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And a great guide is just a great coach. And, yep. you know, yeah. and, and if you're going out with a friend, hopefully yeah. he or she will be <laughs> patient as well. So Steve, why don't we own a drift boat? 
Oh, yeah. Because we could go in together on I one. Know. Go halvesies on one. What do you think? I know. Well, a couple reasons, I think, uh, more than one. One is we don't live near the big rivers of the West anymore. Number two, we just don't have the money to, to do that. Those things are pretty pricey. True. Yeah. But we could probably get the money. But yeah, even that's if we true. live there, would would I? I'm not sure I'd own a drift boat because then <clears> I'd have to take you out. Well, that's right. Or <laughs> or you would have to have me take you out, and the, and the hazard of that might be a, a bigger liability than if you exactly. were the one rowing. So I don't know yeah. if I'd have a drift boat if I lived out lived out there. I think I'd probably just go out with a guide or go out with friends. Yeah, we've got friends that have drift boats. That's a nice situation isn't it i am so glad i'm your friend because because of my friendship with you you have all these friends out there it's just amazing yeah just because i lived there for a long time but i don't know i'd always thought about that if i had the time and money i think when my boys were growing up it would have been fun to row and, and just to, to help now that's them. unique but, yeah uh, for sure with your kids that's yeah. for sure or yeah, the yeah. and the other thing we haven't talked a lot about i think you alluded to this but one great thing about drift boats too is you can stop and you can fish some really good stretches and uh, we, we often do that with friends or even if it's a guide. Say, okay, we're going to stop and just fish this. Uh, this is a great run. And it turns out to be one that it, maybe it's on private property or it's on property that you'd have to walk a couple miles to get to. So nobody uh, nobody walks there. And, and you know, most of the drift boats just zoom by. So you can actually stop and fish some area, uh, just wade fish it. And that's, the one memory I have is with, I think it was Dave, you know, the the friend that we yeah. have out of Montana. Mm -hmm. We were yep. on the Yellowstone. We stopped and fished where this, where the river had split, the Yellowstone had split and, the, and this rivulet, it wasn't a rivulet, it was like a little stream had come back into the Yellowstone. Yeah. And there was just this foam line and perfect run. I don't know how many yeah. fish we caught out of there, but yeah. we stayed there, we had lunch and we fished that for maybe 30 to 45 oh, minutes. I know, that's, that's a, that's a great part of it. So, hey, we hope that if, if you've never tried uh, drifting, uh, uh, maybe this will help you know what to expect and, and go for it. I, I think you'll really uh, enjoy it. All right, here's a comment by Jim on our article on 10 more items for your fly vest. He says, each new season I take everything out of my sling pack and re-examine it. If I haven't used it, no matter how cool it looks or how great it might be to have in that one in a million times ten situation that might occur if hell freezes over, I leave it out. I do the same with the flies in my fly box. Now that doesn't mean I don't replace them with new must-haves I ordered online last winter, but it does keep the pack lighter and more functional, unless hell does freeze over, and then I'm just going to look for the perfect cheeseburger somewhere in town. <laughs> <laughs> what a great comment. Yeah, That's that really is. Brilliant. Oh man, I know. I we, we probably ought to do a podcast on things that we found, especially sandwiches we found, you, you know, in the spring after maybe the last time we used our fly That's vest so was true. the end of October, <laughs> and then we get it out in February or March as we're going to go to the driftless. It's like, whoa, what's what's in this thing? So. <laughs> Oh, oh my. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for today. Hey, what suggestions do you have for beginners who are about to fly fish from a drift boat for the first time? Please comment on this podcast link at twoguysinariver.com. Share any suggestions or tips you have for making the next float down the river a good experience. Again, and as always, thank you for referring our podcast to your TU chapter, Fly Fishing Club, and all your friends and colleagues. Please do that. Just a simple referral is 
it's just so helpful for us as we try to continue to grow the podcast. That's how we grow. That's how we've grown. We're very, very grateful for your trust. We'd also love to hear your ideas for podcast episodes. We hear from you all the time and we hear from our listeners all the time, I should say, and just reach out to us on Instant Messenger, our Facebook page, or in, uh, Instagram, or just email us at Steve Dave. that's one word, stevedave at twoguysinariver.com. Also, one more thing, be sure to purchase our book if you haven't done so, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists, Life is Short, Catch More Fish, you can find it on Amazon. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.